Please find your Bible today and open it to the book of Psalms, chapter 67, message I've entitled, God's Heart for the Nations. So this morning, as you would expect, this Mission Sunday, our focus will be on God's heart for the nations. We all agree that God does have a heart for the nations, and we know that because we've got several New Testament passages and certainly reveal to us this undeniable truth that we're all familiar with in what we call the Great Commission. In Matthew 28, where Jesus uh, would say, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you, and I'll be with you always, even till the end of the age. And I do believe this church is taking that mandate with all seriousness and diligence. Hoffman Town for a number of years, has been a mission-driven church, and you indeed are to be commended. Part of who you are in the DNA of this church is understood in missions. It's been the heartbeat of your church. You know, I'm reminded one of the key factors in seeking to keep a church healthy is not allowing a church to turn inward, but to stay focused on going and moving outward to reach a lost world with the good news of the gospel message in the Lord Jesus Christ. I often say this, the church doesn't have a mission. The mission has a church, and we must be that church. This text is from the book of Psalms, Psalm 67. And really, it's a little bit of a surprising missional call from the Old Testament. These prophetic psalms like this are somewhat rare, but a relevant cry that God is calling the nations to make the ways known of Jehovah God. Actually, as you well know, it'd be a thousand years before the covenant relationship with God would extend beyond the nation of Israel. But the psalmist, it seems, is looking down the corridors of time and seeing a coming salvation that would come to every nation, every people group, and indeed the floodgates of redemption would be opened on a hill called Calvary as Jesus died for our sins, but not only our sins, the sins of the entire world. J.R.W. Stott in his book, Favorite Psalms, called this psalm, Psalm 67, a great missionary psalm. Charles Spurgeon would declare of this psalm, it's a cry for global participation in the worship of Jehovah God. So it seems this psalm pulls back the drape on a coming dispensation when the gospel would go forth and believed and embraced by the various nations of the world, a realization of what John had written in the prologue to his gospel, saying Jesus came into his own, his own received him not, but now to as many as would receive him, to them he would give the privilege to become the children of God. So I know it's a little awkward standing at your table today, but so what? Let's get awkward. Stand up for the honor of reading the Word of God today. I'm going to read six verses, and then I'm going to use these as a springboard for saying to you once again, calling you once again to be on mission for our God. God, be merciful to us and bless us. Cause His face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth your salvation among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. O let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations on earth. 
Let all the people praise you, O God. Let all the people praise you. Then the earth shall yield her increase. God, our own God, shall bless us. And God shall bless us. And all the ends of the earth shall fear or shall reverence him. Father, we pray that we would lead out in reverencing you. I pray as you can only do through the dynamic of the Holy Spirit of God, speak to us from your inerrant word. So feel your servant today to speak the things that are contained in this text in a way that we would see more clearly what your will is for your church, for your people, and for our lives individually. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Three truths that I see emerge from this text today that are evident regarding God's heart for the nations. It seems he is saying first here, God's praise should be perpetual. As you know, the book of Psalms is a song of praise to God, 150 of those, and this anthem is no different. It's a praise offering to God, and we see here in verses 3 and 5, it's a plea to praise God. Let all the nations praise Him. Let us universally come to extol the Lord. Let us continually be people who give a sacrifice of praise, just as we're told in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. Therefore, by Him, by Jesus, let us continually offer up the sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. Yet who can argue sometimes our circumstances require a sacrifice of praise? Who who can argue life is hard and our gratitude oftentimes is contingent upon how optimal our day is going for we ever offer up a sacrifice or an expression of gratitude. You see, our praise is not to be based on what we've received by God's good hand. Certainly, we need to be conscious of that, and we have it in abundance. But moreover, our praise is to be simply based on who God is, that He is our Creator, He is our Sustainer, He is our Redeemer, He is high and lifted up, He's exalted in the heavens, He's wrapped in glory and honor, and He is uh, uh, desirous of us delivering our praise As he says, let all the people praise him. Let all the nations praise you, O God. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. You remember what it says in Psalms 100? It tells us that our gratitude and our praise usher us into the presence of God. But you know, I'm afraid oftentimes many of us are going to go to heaven one day with a great praise deficit. Because we do make our praise contingent upon this What have you done for me lately, God? But instead of a perpetual praise from our lips, because he's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, who was and is and is to come, we sat silently because something simply didn't go our way. Or instead of keeping our gaze upon the majesty of God and his glory, we focused on what our challenges are the disappointments of our week, of our day, our strife, our struggles, and we lose the gratitude of our heart, and we are muted people not offering the praise that God is so worthy of. But you know what God's Word says in clarity in 1 Thessalonians? It says this, rejoice evermore. 
Pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You see, if we refuse to praise and to give gratitude to God, we get out of God's will. That's what the Bible says. And this matter of pride and self-importance and hubris oftentimes keep us from praising God because we would rather praise ourselves rather than giving personal praise to a God who's worthy. Psalms 50 verse 23 says, God declares, whoever offers praise to me as a sacrifice glorifies me, and I will make his way rightly. Listen, God's word says we can lose our way spiritually if we're not people who give this perpetual praise. We're told over 250 times in the word of God to praise God. We know the essence of that in a doxology. We've all sang countless times, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Can I tell you today, our God's a jealous God. And anytime we have a misplaced praise or misguided love, you know what the Bible calls that? Idolatry. And that word idolatry means it's the worship of wrong things. It was just this past week that Carrie Underwood was in Kansas City at the Sprint Center. And I happen to be a Carrie Underwood fan. Maybe many of you are. Uh, But, you know, the reason we know her so well, she won American Idol. American Idol. That just doesn't sound right, does it? But we certainly know and are aware of that. But you know, I recently read what, what Americans idol most, and it's this, what you would expect. Money, sports, health, and pleasure. God didn't make the list. You see, all of those things, while they're not necessarily wrong in themselves, but when our heart goes towards them and leaves our affection and love and worship and praise for our God, our life gets messed up. God can't guide us in a right way when we love something or someone more than Him. So the first commandment that we are given is clear that we shall have no other gods before Him. And having more praise or gratitude for anything or anyone more than God is forgiven because God is supreme. And here in verse 4, the text declares we can praise Him because of His justice. He's going to judge us in a right way eventually. There's going to be fairness in His judgment. But what we know about today ongoingly is the injustice oftentimes in court, in the political arena, in the public square, across the nation. But God's word promises one day there's going to be someone, our Lord God, who will judge with equity and fairness. And he'll be the final judge. And he will make things right in this twisted and warped world because he is the ultimate judge. So here's often our problem. Our problem that oftentimes keep us from giving the praise that God so richly deserves is, listen to me today, our dissatisfaction with our own life and we're consumed with it. And it silences our praise and it has stolen our joy. It was John Piper who said this, God is most glorified in us when we're most satisfied in him.
I wonder today, are you satisfied with your relationship with God? Or conversely, has there been a root of bitterness that's made its way into your heart? Is there a sense of, uh, of your unwillingness to forgive someone? And all of that uniquely has silenced your praise. Can I tell you, oftentimes people get mad at God over their loss, over their heartache, over their disappointment. And indeed, who can argue sometimes life seems unfair because life is unfair. But you see, God, the creator, the lover of our soul, isn't looking to, to blow your life up. But he will take in how your life is difficult and hard and he will make a way when there seems to be no way. Don't let your anger get misplaced or misguided. It's the God who loves you with an everlasting love. As Jeremiah said, here's the plans that God has for you. Plans to give you a prosperity, to give you a future, and to give you a hope. If your praise has been silenced, could I suggest to you, how about trying to praise your way out of your misunderstanding, out of your disillusionment, and maybe your distress? I know this, and it's been my experience in my life. When I begin to praise him and I lift him up, I get lifted up. Let's lift him up. Let's let his praise be perpetual. I need to move quickly. Secondly, the text says not only should God's praise be perpetual, but God's mercy must be magnified. Verse 1, the psalmist uses this blessing of Aaron that we know in Numbers chapter 6 as the psalmist declares, God, we need your face to shine upon us so that your ways may be known throughout the earth, your salvation believed and received among the nations. You remember that uh, that blessing that Aaron would speak in Numbers chapter 6, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And here in verse 5, let the nations rejoice. Not just the nation of Israel, but inclusive of all nations. For God, you're a merciful God. Let all of these nations of the world, even these heathen nations, the Philistines, the, the, the Midianites, the Malachites, the Amorites, all of these nations, let them praise you. Let the Assyrians praise you. Can I tell you, God has always had a heart for the nations. And indeed, we find in the Old Testament maybe just some snapshots by what God would do sending a reluctant prophet by the name of Jonah to the Assyrian capital of Nineveh to preach the message of repentance. And as you know, that evil city would repent. And they experienced the mercy of Jehovah God in their day. The question becomes, well, how can this happen? The nations who do not know God, how are they going to get to know God? What can we personally do? First off, just according to this particular text, it says this. This will happen by the power of God in your midst. The psalmist declares, be gracious to us, pour out your blessings on us, show us your favor, O God, verse 2, so that your way may be known among all the nations, so that the people of other nations looks at God's activity upon God's people, particularly, specifically to the nation of Israel, and they would ask the question, well, why wouldn't we want to be in love with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? We see that happening in Daniel's day. God's people living in Babylonian captivity. We know Daniel himself would stand against that pagan culture 
And he would not defile himself by compromising his convictions. Instead, he stayed on his knees in prayer, though it was prohibited in captivity. You remember what would happen there in Babylon as Nebuchadnezzar would erect a 90-foot statue on the plains of Dura, and he called everyone in the providence to bow down and worship this enormous idol, but all didn't do that. You remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those God-fearing Jews, they said, we will not bow down because we are God-fearing Israelites. We have a faith in Jehovah God, the one true God. And you remember the threat? They would be taken and thrown into the fiery furnace, but the response was this, our God can rescue us from a fiery furnace, but even if he doesn't, we will not bow down and worship your golden image. And as you know, God would deliver those young men of faith. And remember what the king's response would be? Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying in Daniel 3, 28, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who sent his angel to deliver his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language that speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut into pieces, and their house shall be made a house of ash heap, because there is no other God who can deliver like this. Listen, Daniel and his friends lived their life in such a way that the king took notice can I tell you, Jesus gives us that same principle today. What does he say in Matthew 5, 16? Let your light so shine among men that they would see your good works and then glorify the Father who is in heaven. You know, I'm afraid oftentimes our light doesn't shine bright enough. No, we've put it under a lampshade. And we've begun to look too much like the world for the world to know that God has transformed our life. And the world has shaped us into its mold. And we haven't stayed on the high road of love and kindness and obedience. We've compromised our convictions. We've acquiesced. And we haven't stayed strong. And our lifestyle contradicts our own personal testimony and the power of it. Oh, let's get back, people of God, to being faithful to walking the high road of grace and mercy and faithfulness. Let's, let's let our bodies be presented to God as living sacrifices, holy, acceptable unto Him. It's our spiritual worship. And let's be not conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of our mind that we could prove to do the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. It's been some times back I had privilege to baptize a 22-year-old young lady from Somalia. She'd come to the U.S. from that Islamic nation. Her name was Yasmin Abdullahi. She told me that she had worshipped her whole life at Islamic mosque. And she said, I have begun to notice how dark it is. And the people who attend there seem to be oppressed or depressed. And there's no joy in their life. But Yasmin met an Ethiopian lady who went to my church in Kansas City. And her life was different, she said. It was full of love and joy and compassion. And she invited her to church. And Yasmin discovered there was joy with these Christians. 
They were engaged in the worship of their God. They were kind to her. It wasn't dark at all, she said. Matter of fact, it was light. Something that she had never experienced. And she learned about the love of God found only in Jesus Christ. And she told me, what God has done for me in Jesus Christ is incredible. His love has covered my sins by His grace. And she bowed her knee to the Lord Jesus Christ and gave her life to Him. Why? Because she met someone named Delaney who had a love for the Lord Jesus Christ personified to Yasmin what the love of God was all about. And it attracted her to the God, the real God, who is. And it broke the clutches of Islam and she was delivered through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the question that's begged this morning, how can we ever win the nations? With 7 billion people in the world, the continual rise of Islam and the decline of morality in our own nation beset by relativism and syncretism and pluralism and secular humanism, which seems to be the religion of our day, I'll tell you how we can do it. We can do it one person at a time with intentionality to sowing some gospel seeds, using our own personal faith to influence our neighbors. Let's love the unlovely. Let's sow those seeds wherever we go, believing the gospel, living it and giving it away. The book of Daniel says, those who turn many into righteousness shall shine like the stars forever. I wonder, are you shining brightly? Let me quit with this because the text quits with this. God's praise must be perpetual. God's mercy must be magnified. But thirdly and finally, it does tell us this. God's favor can be found. In verse 1, God, be merciful to us and bless us. Cause your face to shine upon us. Then the earth shall see and yield her increase. And God, our own God, shall bless us. Our God shall bless us all the way till the ends of the earth. And then the people shall reverence him or fear him. So how does God look upon his people? With favor. And in the context, it's being used in an agrarian sense with a great harvest The theme of the Old Testament is this simple. If God's people would obey, they would be blessed. When they disobey, they would be cursed. In Deuteronomy 28, when God's people are obedient, He says, you'll be blessed in the city, you'll be blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed. The crops of your field, the cows in your herd, the lambs in your flock, you will be blessed when you come in and go out. But the rest of that chapter tells us that there's going to be curses fall upon God's people when they're disobedient. And surely the passion and the intent of all of our lives is to know this. God's favor is upon us. And the reason God blesses us, can I tell you, it's not so we can hoard up something. Not so you and I can maximize our 401k. But the reason we get the blessings of God and the favor of God in our life is so we can be a blessing to other people in return. Let's be honest, people of God. We have found the favor of God. We've been given more than we deserve. Life abundantly in Christ our Lord. Eternal life in our Savior. But I'm afraid too often we've become selfish. And we haven't demonstrated what the favor of God really is upon us. I wonder if I'm speaking to you today. Three quick points of application and then we'll have our time together, time of invitation, 
and certainly a time of fellowship around the table with our meal. First, let's develop a sense of gratitude. Let's be expressive in our praise to God. Here's what I know. Seeds of rebellion and disobedience will never take root in a grateful heart. I wonder, are you a grateful person? Here's the principle. I said it earlier. When we lift our Lord up, we get lifted up as well. The antidote for discouragement is to be an encourager. The resolve for a despondent spirit is that you volitionally choose to praise God. You see, complaining, criticizing, being cynical always results in this. You will become a pitiful and pathetic person. But God's plan and purpose for his people is that we would praise him. Let your praise be perpetual. Secondly, let's develop a missional heart for winning the nations. Let's pray. Let's participate. Let's give. Let's go. Let's do something locally. And if God would provide, let's do something internationally. I will tell you, you want to get involved in and living your life for a missional cause, John will be happy to visit with you about that. Let's see ourselves as people on mission. Not just giving to missions, but we're part of the missional effort here. Truth of the matter is, who can argue the nations have come to us? Can I tell you right here in Albuquerque, people from all over the world are around us. And let's be a people on mission to see if we can win them to our Savior. Let's live our lives thirdly. In a way that God can bless us. Why? So we can be a blessing to others. Here's what I know. God's favor is tightly connected to your willingness to be a giver. To be a servant to others. To be a faithful steward of what's been entrusted to you. Just as Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. Good measure. Press down. Shaking together. Running over. Whatever measure you give away, you get back in return. What do we get back in return? We get the favor of God in return. So let's bless others so we ourselves can be blessed. Let's be a people who live with the favor of God on our lives. The power of God being displayed in our lives that others may take note. And others may desire as well to know and to love our Savior. Would you bow your heads with me today? We're going to extend an invitation as we always do. Sing a song that really is an opportunity if God has spoken to your heart for you to, to respond in, in, in a right way. And I know it would be a little awkward for you to come forward today, but that's okay. It's worth the effort of God speaking to your heart to make your way to the front. And by coming, you're saying, I'm going God's way. I'm willing to stand publicly for Him. And maybe some of you have been wrestling with the call of what God wants to do in your life, but you never have publicly responded. And maybe today is the day. Maybe God's calling you to come and stand publicly. And even if you know, don't even know exactly what God's calling you to do, you know He's calling you to do something. And I'm telling you, you take that first step of faith. Here's what I know. God will hand you another envelope and you open it. He never shows you the end. He just calls you to act and to walk by faith. And maybe he's calling you today to move. You may be here today and unsure of your own personal relationship with the true and living God. You're never going to find the favor of God until you find God. 
in a right and real relationship with truly living God through faith in Jesus Christ. Come today, repent of your sins. Give your heart, your life, your all to the Savior. Live in the truth of the redemption that's offered to all who will but believe in him. I'm going to pray a prayer. We're going to get a short invitation. So if God's spoken to your heart, I'm going to ask you to come quickly. We'll wait. We'll pray with you. And we'll help you as you take this step of faith to explore what God has in store for you in the coming days. Father, we do what we know to do, and that's to preach the Word of God and to seek to interpret it in clear understanding for those who would hear. And today I pray as we offer this invitation, some would be bold enough to stand up and come, make their way to the front saying, I'm going for God going God's way. So we're dependent upon you, Holy Spirit of God. We ask that those who've heard and whose lives you've spoken to today would have the courage to come. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing this hymn of invitation. So Ellie, you're singing this hymn of invitation, I assume. Yes, I am. Yes, you sing for (laughs) us as the Spirit of God speaks to your heart. You come right now. While God calls, come now. While, while Ellie sings and leads us. So this is a song that I wrote when I was trying to discern God's call on my life. And I opened to 1 Kings 19 when Elijah is running for his life from the Queen Jezebel. And he goes up onto a mountain to seek the will of the Lord. And there's a great wind that comes up but the Lord was not in the wind. There's an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And there's a great fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And then the voice of the Lord comes as a gentle whisper and guides Elijah into where he needs to go next. So I encourage all of you to listen closely for that gentle whisper, to ignore the the wind and the earthquakes and the fires of whatever's going on in your life and just listen. seem to call me the path has disappeared and all that's left are stories of great men you held dear who followed you through all things so won't you now appear cause I'm scared the night's approaching I I have been searching for you I'm the only one that's left so I I'm begging you to find me, break through all the noise inside my head. Cause I've been listening to the wind pouring out and flooding in. And I keep chasing after it, hoping to hear my name again. I feel the earth and see it shake, flames arise but I draw near. As the ash clears in its wake, the world is quiet. The world is quiet here. World is quiet here. 
water starts to rise There's still just one reflection The wind stings in my eyes Could this be your rejection? Too overwhelmed I cry But fall into affection And now I realize A flaw in my connection I, I have been searching for you I been wandering blind, but I, I know you're right here with me. Why then can I still not hear your voice? I've been listening to the wind pouring out and flooding in, and I keep chasing after it, hoping to hear my name again. I feel the earth and see it shake, flames arise, but I draw near as the ash clears in its wake. Is quiet here. Maybe it's not the way that people seem to picture the night turned into day more like just a flicker something we cannot name it's somehow more familiar you come not in the flame but as a gentle whisper i i have been searching for you i i've never been alone and i i'm breathless in your glory whisper now i'm to the wind pouring out and flooding in and I keep chasing after it hoping to hear my name again I feel the earth and see it shake flames arise but I draw near as the ash clears in its wake the world is quiet here the world is quiet here the world is quiet here Amen. Thank you, Ellen. You can go ahead and be seated. We've got a couple of days of uh, missions involvement, the next uh, Monday and Tuesday here. And tonight, I hope you're planning on being back with us. should be a sweet time, as John made mention. I'm going to ask Brother John to come in just a moment. We need some instructions on uh, how to find the food and not a chaotic way. We don't want to rush to the tables, but we want to do that in a nice and orderly way as best we can. Isn't that right, John? You got some instructions, I hope? Amen. That's what we want to hear. God bless you for being here today. It's always sweet to, to be uh, able to preach to you and uh, enjoy seeing your wonderful faces here today. I want to say a word of appreciation to my good friend Paul Curtis, who is... Uh, Member of Lenexa Baptist Church has been over the years, and he uh, he flew to Albuquerque today to, to worship with us and to support me. Appreciate uh, your friendship, Paul, and God bless you for being here. And uh, he'll come a long way for free food. That's all I'm saying. God bless you, Paul. John, you tell us. <laughs> 